laugh at this next part. In a world of political correctness and cancel culture, two comedians have risen up to prove that with the right angle, anything can be funny. This is You Can't Laugh at That. Who writes these? Who huh? should have this person locked up and looked at? Live from Golden Ox Studios in Cleveland, Ohio, it's Steve Murs and David Horning. This is a special bonus episode of You Can't Laugh at That. Uh, it's just called You Can't Laugh. <laughs> I don't know. It's a shorter title to signify to a shorter. Stop right. laughing. Yeah. Um, I'm David Horning. And I'm Steve Mers. And uh, welcome to episode 2.5 of You Can't Laugh at That. Uh, we're turning this over real quick for Monday. But uh, I feel like there's, a, there's enough going on in comedy right now that... This is an episode that needed to happen, right? Uh, especially after you know current events uh, that happened last week, and uh, how many comedians I've seen try to make jokes about it and just kind of go about it all wrong. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm all about finding humor in any situation, finding humor in tragedy, but at the same time, like you have to, it's a delicate line, right? It's a very delicate line. Like you can't just come out swinging. You know, you've got to you've got to really measure what you're trying to say with the joke. Yeah. I think. I don't know. I mean, open mics this week have been cringe-inducing at times. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and I appreciate people, like, attempting to make jokes about, you know, um, Toby's untimely passing. But You know, I wanted to say that they're they're not being comedians because they're not making people, but they're, they are trying to, but I there there's a lack of self awareness there where it's like they're not going to, and you need to be able to recognize that before you try it, right? Quote unquote, because I feel like there's a level of, I feel like they do know that they're not going to laugh at it, and they just like being edgy, and then maybe making a, a few people laugh, that yeah, are real sadistic or, or like a big oh, you know, in the room like. I'm a you, fan of dark humor, but I don't feel like it's the same thing per se. Right. I mean, you you can. There's a difference between like a Brian Regan style joke where it's all you know, where it's very lighthearted, versus you know somebody who's like trying to kind of toe that line. Yeah. You have to be really good. Like you have to. Yeah, you have to be really good at at writing jokes and reading a room and and putting those two things together. Um, for example, you know, I mean, uh, Ari Shafir. Ari Shafir is a great comic. He's very funny, but he thrives on this edge lord kind of humor. Like, do you remember? Do you remember the Amazing Racist videos that he used to do? No. So he would uh, he like he would he went into a Chinese restaurant dressed in like a kimono and like dressed like a geisha, yeah. essentially. And uh, and he sat next to a table of uh, a Japanese woman and a Hawaiian man. And he made a joke about like Pearl Harbor. He's like, "Oh, that's that's funny. You guys are together because he bombed you, or she bombed." Yeah, you know what I'm trying yeah, to say. Yeah, yeah. And uh, like everything was like he was being overtly racist to be funny, and it was kind of like making fun of racists in a way. But if you weren't, if you were just looking at it from the surface, like it wasn't, it was offensive. So he's always been on that on that level of like towing the line and sometimes blowing right by it. 
when uh, whenever a celebrity dies, he posts a video ripping that celebrity. Mm-hmm. And so this one really hit home because Kobe, I feel like, transcended sports. Um, he, I don't know, we all kind of grew up with him. And he was just kind of a, a staple in all of our lives, like the Staples Center. Um, Staples Center in all of our lives. Yeah. And uh, and so that's why this one, this, this video touched a nerve. And uh, I'm going to play it. So if you uh, if you watched it or you don't want to watch it or listen to it or whatever, uh, be warned because I'm going to play it right now. And then we're going to talk about what he did right, what he did wrong, and uh, and then look at a couple of jokes that have worked about this whole thing yeah. and go from there. They call it a trigger warning because you got to plug your ears. A lot of, like, hate, pain in the world. And there's always a bunch of terrible stories. And every once in a while, there's a good story. A good story comes out. The guy who got away with rape got his today. Kobe Bryant is a god. I'm here in Charlotte, the home of the team that originally drafted him. Uh, maybe he wouldn't have raped that chicken Denver if he had been if he had stayed in Charlotte with the Hornets. Too soon. So Ari, uh, that was the, essentially what it was. It started a guy that got away with rape got his today. Like, yeah. first of all. The second you say rape, <laughs> that that's gonna get some people like clenched. Mm-hmm. So you can't start with that. Just this in in and of itself, to me, it's it's not funny. Oh yeah, it's it's kind of weird that he would do that because there's nothing, regardless of the subject. There's nothing mechanically funny about it. There's either. no setup punchline. It's I mean, not he's a subjective thing. There's literally nothing funny about it. Yeah. Um, there's no there's no comedy going on there. Uh, well, the comedy is that he's trolling, and I feel like I mean he got a show at New York Comedy Club canceled. You know what's good trolling? Uh, Sasha Baron Cohen. Yes, but I'm not going to go into that. But what were you saying? Yes. Oh yeah. God, he does it in in such a like a beautifully thought out way. Yeah, that's like a whole other. That's good trolling. Yeah, that's different. Right. No, the New York Comedy Club canceled his show because they were getting threats. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, and then. I heard uh, from a from an LA comedian that he's getting uh, death threats from gangs. Like he has, he's like greenlit by gangs. I mean, Kobe was like God to them out there. He killed yeah. their Jesus, or he he joked about you know the death of their. Maybe Jesus. he should at that point because someone who's so deified and worshipped, even though he may have raped somebody, I don't I don't want to get into that. I don't think he should deify these people. It's kind of uh, it's gross to me. Oh, yeah, to deify a celebrity. Like, they're yeah. just a person who got really good at their job in a way that we all can see it. This is a guy who obviously turned his life around. So, yeah. like, to bring that, to bring up those old wounds is like, okay, that, that's mistake number one because you've set, you've already turned a lot of people off, uh, starting with that topic. The rest of the video, he goes into how, you know, fuck the Lakers and, you know, fuck Kobe. And, you know, they beat my team all the time. Fuck them. You know, he got what he deserves. And this was this came out. He he posted this video like minutes after the story broke. I mean, he was the first one to just jump all over it. So, how soon is too soon? Is the question that that I want to ask today. And um, to me, too soon. There's no such thing as too soon. But you have to be cognizant of your audience. You have to be cognizant of how you're framing the joke. Yeah. Um, and. I mean, you have to realize that you are going to hurt some people because they're not ready to laugh at it yet. You know, you're still in denial. If you're still in denial, you're not as open to laughing about something right away. You know, making the joke at the expense of the victim is is never 
I mean, you, you're digging yourself a hole right away. Right. So it better be a damn good joke. Uh, I saw one where it was like, Kobe finally passed. Okay. Right. That's getting better, but it's still, we're not there yet. Yeah, I um, I just don't care if people joke about it, but I also will be like, hey, none of this is funny to me. Right. Um, but they can just do whatever they want. It's not. I don't care. Right. I saw that um, where it was at, exp- at the expense of the Knicks, which worked. At Easy Street Keys on Twitter. Uh, breaking news: New York Knicks vow to go on twenty-four game losing streak to honor the late Kobe Bryant. Now that's that's funnier because it's a joke at the expense of the Knicks. Right. And, uh, I mean, it stays in the basketball, the, the realm of basketball and sports. I give it a good score for being a tasteful joke around the Kobe incident. But I give it a zero for how funny I think it is. Yeah. <laughs> like, but it's still, like, I can't relate to it entirely either. I'm not getting the th- what the, the Knicks suck now, right? Yeah, the Knicks have always sucked. Well, yeah, generally. Yeah. So it's just hard for me to be like, oh, that totally makes sense. It's more like... Oh, I guess that's inferring all this stuff that I don't know. Right. If you're a basketball fan, that joke makes sense. And I think, I mean, it's it's a solid joke. It didn't make me laugh, but it's like, yeah. okay, that's a good that's a good angle on it. I saw that joke and I was like, oh, this one isn't gonna draw a lot of ire. Now, I uh, the day it happened, I, I was actually on my way to work and I got a call from my mom. And as we're having this conversation, she called me just to tell me about it. And as we're having this conversation, I start laughing because I'm like, this is a bit. This. You know, her calling me and just to tell me about this. This is a bit about my mom. Like, I can... Oh, I thought you were, you were saying that your mom was doing a bit. No. <laughs> I'm like, wow, all right. Run my mom family. doesn't know joke writing. <laughs> <laughs> She's uh, naturally funny <laughs> on accident. Yep. <laughs> she doesn't even mean to be. And uh, so I got this phone call, and as we're having this conversation, I was like, this is a bit. This is funny. And that's immediately, I was like, I have to write something about this. Because I know people are going to try to write jokes at the expense of Kobe. What if I could write a joke at the expense of my mom instead? With, you know, using the the Kobe tragedy as the vehicle. So I've done it at open mics this week. And so far, I'm three for three on it. uh, Which is a great free throw percentage. That's a Mamba-esque free throw percentage, if you will. So, uh this is that joke. I try to stay away from watching the news because it's always so negative, right? I, uh, but as a comedian, like you have to watch the news to stay relevant. So I take a day a week. I take every Sunday and I avoid watching the news. Um, and, and it's a breath of fresh air. But this past Sunday, my mom calls me when I'm on my way to work and she goes, hey David, do you have a minute? And I was like, well, I'm on my way to work, so not really, but make it quick. And she goes, Kobe Bryant died. Okay, that's terrible. Yeah, I know. He died in a helicopter crash, and he's leaving his family behind. I'm like, Mom, I'm on my way to work. Do you want me to use this at work? Do you want me to go to my customers like, Hi, uh, my name's David. Welcome. I'll be taking care of you today. Kobe Bryant died. He's leaving behind his family. Uh, But more importantly, our special today is scallops and a tomato fume. Come on, man. Come on. And then, uh, and then she's so sweet. Uh, she goes, you know, when I die, I hope I go to heaven so I can find Kobe and give him a big hug. Oh, oh. That's sweet. But come on, Mom. We all know you're not going to heaven. Because heaven isn't real. <laughs> 
how do you feel about that joke? Like, why does that joke work? Uh, it's about your mom's silliness. It's not about Kobe dying. And it is, I don't know. It's entirely, it's almost unrelated to the incident itself. Right. Uh, and it's true. It actually happened. So you're entitled to talk about that and add your own flair to it. You can't punch down. <laughs> I told my mom about that joke, and I was like, listen, <laughs> this joke is at your expense. I don't necessarily like mean it, but yeah. it gets people to laugh about you know something. It's a cathartic release. There is so like I, the second I mention Kobe dying, the room goes silent every time. Either that or people roll their eyes because they just heard like six bad Kobe jokes and they're like, oh, here's another one. So that tension is built. Like the the key to a good edgy joke is you've got to create the tension and the setup, and the punchline has to be that relief. The that, release and it's fair, and it's true. So it has to be fair. It has to be true. You can't punch down at the victim. If you're going to build that tension, you have to pay it off. Right. You have to. You have to, the the release has to be even greater than the tension. And for anyone listening to this right now, uh, <clears throat> if you want to get laughs, or if you want to be a good person to me, to you at mm -hmm. least, or whatever. No one's ever trying to like squash your free speech or quash. What's the word? What, what's that word quash for? Quash is good. Quash. Yeah. I don't. I don't know. I like but, a nice. Quash. And now I want to look it up. I'm an idiot. People misinterpret the 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 PC or the whatever you know the the language people use. You can't say that. Well, I don't think anybody. Some people talk like that, but generally they're just. Say it better. There's yeah. They're just. They're not saying you shouldn't say. It. They're not being the police. They are expressing themselves the way that you are, mm -hmm. and it's just this back and forth. And you all need to accept that you're going to have a dialogue. Absolutely. And that's all there is to it. People uh, want a funny joke. Like they want to laugh. They right. want to have that release. And if you just build the tension and then end the joke with the tension still high, and then you're like, oh, I guess you're too sensitive. It's like, no, you just didn't tell a good joke. Right. This is why I get mad at comics, at road comics, road hacks. Sometimes just people like, oh, you can't say anything anymore. No, no one's saying that. Yeah. You, oh, everybody's becoming so empathetic now. Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> right. Oh, we actually care about the feelings um, of others. Yeah. You, you can tell a joke better. That That's it. Right. Like if you're not getting laughs. You can make the joke better. I've said so much shit on stage that I shouldn't get away with, but I do because you know why? Because I understand there's two things. You got to understand psychology and editing. Those are two of the biggest things in comedy. Mm -hmm. And if you can if you can at least manipulate the audience into laughing, and it's not even manipulate, you're just you're giving them a fair a fair equation to work with. Right. And they'll laugh. Right. I mean, I would never open with that joke. That's something that once I've earned their trust and I bring up Kobe, they're like, what's he going to say about it? Yeah. You know, what's his point of view on it now? Yeah. Um, I mean, that's what you have to do. You have to earn the trust of the audience first to be able mm -hmm. to tell a joke. You can't just come up and be like, rape. I've <laughs> seen so many comics like that. Yeah. They show up with a hood on their head and just do a long deadpan thing that they wrote out word for word. And it's all about rape. Yeah. It's like. And then they disappeared forever. Yep. Just like a ghost. Yeah, they were like a weird rape ghost. Yeah. Like a rape joke. <laughs> a rape joke ghost. Yeah. That's what I meant. Like a rape, that's like a whole other ghost. But you know what I'm yeah. saying. But of course. Another thing that I did, though, too, is I made it about the news. Like, I don't, the news is so negative all the time. Right. 
And so, and my mom watches it all the time. And then she'll call me and tell me things that are <laughs> happening. So even when I'm trying to avoid watching the news, like my mom is like, did you hear this? And did you see this? What do you think? It's like, I try not, I'm not trying to think about it right now. That's why. Right. You know, I mean, I watch, I, I stay up to date enough, but you know, it's just a constant barrage of, of downers. Yeah. And, oh uh, yeah, I need to I need to cut myself off yeah, from it man. too. It yeah. causes me a lot of stress. Stress, anxiety. I mean, there's no, no wonder so many people are suffering from depression and anxiety. It's just a constant barrage of of. I think the it's psychological. I think it's psychological warfare on liberals. Yeah. You know, it's on everybody though. Because if you're if you are informed enough to understand the implications of what is going on in the world, you can't help but be stressed. I've had to turn that off and become more optimistic just to save myself mm-hmm. from freaking out. Oh, yeah. Now, there are some times where I'm reading a news story. I'm like, why the fuck am I reading this? <laughs> I'm managing it pretty well. Some might call that being a triggered liberal. But, you know, being stressed out from the advent of war is a thing that just happens, you know, or the, uh, you know, some s- types of wars. You know, there's all kinds of wars going on right now. Propaganda, psychological warfare actual warfare, mm-hmm. the brink of World War Three, that sort of thing. Those are all stress-inducing, and if you aren't in uh, stress, if there's no stress induced by that, your body's not functioning properly. Your mind isn't functioning properly. These are all fight-or-flight responses to actual threats. Right. So. Right, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's just a constant game. And, and this goes into that psychological warfare, this, you know, Kobe dying and then people posting their their edgy responses to it. It's yeah. it's all part of like a division. There's always seems to be two sides when that's not even the case. It's it's so gray. There's such a vast spectrum. There's no such thing as just right and wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Like there are so many there are varying degrees to it that people don't consider it's just like no you're right i'm wrong or i'm right you're wrong so when it comes to this you know there's there's a right way to tell this joke and uh there are i mean there are so many ways to to joke about this but if you have an audience that you know you have go tell it to them yeah they can laugh if you know who's gonna laugh at it tell them don't tell an audience of whoever right um then again i'm not saying you shouldn't again going back to what i said before just i'm just saying like you know if you want what are you trying to be a comedian or not? Yeah, if you're gonna put a joke out there, tell the joke, and if it doesn't work, go back and work on it. You're wasting make it better. Everyone, yeah, otherwise you're wasting t- people's time. Right, right. If you're just gonna tell the same joke over and over again and be like everyone's so sensitive, it's like no, you just wrote a bad joke. Write it better. It was obviously funny to you at one point. Yeah. I mean, and another thing that I see a lot too is people tell jokes that they think the audience will think is funny rather than what they actually think is funny. If you're if you are t- re- telling a joke that the idea didn't make you laugh, mm-hmm. it's inauthentic. You've got to be real. Yeah. You've got to be real about it. I mean this, you know, that a uh, running theme for our podcast, don't be an asshole. Don't be an asshole. Um be better. Be better, don't be an asshole. Being an asshole as it turns out doesn't make people laugh. Mm-hmm. Unless it's done masterfully like I do. Unless you know? you're actually an asshole. <laughs> I'm trying to think of a recent example. I had one. Oh, we had a heckler at Hilarities on Tuesday. I was doing the Mike Polk show. Okay. And this guy kept talking throughout the show, but I was just like, it, th- this doesn't go into like severe asshole territory, but I was like, you know, it would be better if you weren't here right now. And everybody laughed at that. I was being an asshole, but I was being reasonable. 
and everybody got a laugh out of it. Even he did. Right. And he was a heckler. And it was like, it was a good moment. It got him to shut up. Yeah. I was like, you're right. Obviously, you're right. <laughs> yeah. Everything. Uh, and so now I'm towing that line and it's working. So Yeah. Well, you you also had the audience on your side, too. Right. I mean, and with that line, I mean, you yeah. clarified that you were on the same page as everybody else in the room. Right. And I, I was definitely having a break. I think Sam likes me more now. Or at least, you know, I'm, I'm becoming more natural on stage than clammed up so. yeah yeah man you gotta roll with the punches it took almost eight years but you know everybody has their own timeline it depends on where 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 i still have those insecurities but generally most of the time i'm i'm good now so but you know then yeah, no matter how many times i get on stage i still get nervous you know it doesn't it doesn't stop right for yeah. me it's kind of unpredictable yeah sometimes i'm just like i don't know mm-hmm. but you know yeah, I'm. You know, I, I still get insecure on stage. I still, you know, there are some jokes that always get laughs, and then one time it doesn't get a laugh, and it's like, what did I do? What happened? And sometimes it's a different audience. Same jokes that get groans get applause breaks, and you have to live that double life. Yeah. for the duration of that joke's existence. Yeah, I'm on stage <laughs> like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> it's about how you sell it. Yeah, you know, you sell it like it's too funnier than it is. They'll groan if you sell it. For what it's worth, people will, you know, yeah, it's that, circumstantial. Yeah. There are some jokes where where <clears throat> it'll get a, a laugh and a groan at the same time. And I'll, I'll draw yeah. attention to that. I'll, <laughs> like, I'll, I'll communicate to them that I'm mad at myself for even thinking of that joke. I and just then, get mad at them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> What's wrong with that? See, and that's your, I mean, that's your persona. You know, that's what yeah. you do on stage. It's right. real, you know. And, and for me, I'm still trying to to discover that with more and more time on stage. But that's that's all it is. It's more and more time on stage. It's trying the same thing over and over again uh, in different ways until it works. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, that's what you got to do with a joke like this is you have to, you have to adapt it. Right. You have to adapt it. Like, you know, I, I the second time I did it, I got more of a laugh on uh, the scallops, you know, being more important than this, you know, somebody's life ending uh, at a table. Like, what do you want me to use this at work? Yeah. Why are you? T- why are you, I told you I'm on my way to work. Why are you just like, hey, this person died. Have a good shift. Yeah. Silly. I thought of something funny to put in my notes right now. It's uh, like right after you say a joke that might get groans, be like, hold your applause and then just keep going. <laughs> Because then at least people have something to laugh at right after that. They won't have time to groan. Yeah. And even if they do, well, you, you get what I'm saying. Yeah, you almost have to have something planned when a joke doesn't work. Right. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> that, that kind of ties into that joke or draws attention to the fallibility of you. Like, you have to communicate to them that you don't think you're above them. Right. Once you think, once you communicate that you think you're above the audience, like, you've uh, lost them. You can't yeah. win them over. You nope. can't. You can't. You even like put yourself below them. They yeah, like conversational. You should be breaking the fourth wall. Yeah, a lot of comics don't do that, and that's why they bomb because mm-hmm. they're not being honest with the audience. You have right. to be like, "All right, this is failing," and then they're like, "Ah, it is." And I'm so happy that you finally broke character to be real with us right now because we're enduring your fakeness. Yeah, and we want to get out of that yeah. as quickly as possible. Yeah. It's, so. it's a it's a tension release. <clears throat> mm-hmm. If you can make that funny, then you will get them back. But at least they'll respect you if you can at least be honest with them, without without the humor. Right. But 
Right. You're not doing your job if you're not throwing that humor back in it and being able to. You have to be self-deprecating at that point a little bit, and then, yeah, I don't know. Everything's right. every circumstance is different, so yeah. it's hard to really get into that. Yeah, it's like I'm just like you guys. I know. I, yeah, drawing attention to that definitely cuts the tension. Um, that's you know that's the most important thing. It's it's a relationship between you and the audience. You know, mm. you lose their trust. With a joke that's edgy that you think is edgy, you know, you've got to find a way to get them back. And, you know, that's that's different for every comedian. Mm-hmm. You know, some people will draw attention to it and punch down on themselves for telling the joke. Some people mm-hmm. will, you know, punch down on the audience for it in a funny way. I mean, it really depends on who it is. But, yeah. you know, that's one of my favorite things to watch, too, is somebody that, that I know is a good comedian t- does something new and it doesn't work. How do they respond to that? Do they just power through? Do they draw attention to it? Do they yell at the audience about it? Do they yell at themselves about it? Like, what's what's their move? You can uh, you can always get a laugh after a laugh was supposed to happen. It didn't. Mm-hmm. If you just know how to be real with them. Yeah, you got to be ready for that. You got to be ready for every single thing that happens when you're on stage. Yeah, you always see comics go. Well, that didn't work, and then they get a huge laugh. Yeah, because they are right there with them. Mm-hmm. They're not being like, oh, let's see what else I can say. Oh, no. It's like, don't panic on stage. Everybody's going to be like, oh, look. Oh, it's so sad to see him. If you're making the audience feel bad for you, that's the most pathetic place you can be. <laughs> yep. Whether oh, you're an asshole yeah. or just pathetic, they will feel sorry for you mm-hmm. because they'll be like, either way, this guy sucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <clears> I, <throat> I saw a comic, a newer comic, um, but I mean, mostly does open mics. And uh, he did, wasn't getting laughs, and he was pacing back and forth and, like, moving the microphone around and, like, tossing it from hand to hand. Taking and it's all like, the slack of the mic. Yeah. That's a sure sign of... Nervousness. You're making yeah. the audience nervous. Like, even if you bomb, if you're confident in that, you, you still have the audience with you. Right. You know, you just make the jokes better. So, I mean, it's a, it's a relationship with you and the audience. The audience is the most important person in that room. Working on your body language is just such an enormous part of comedy. Mm-hmm. It's almost more important than the jokes themselves. Right. I say, you know, when, I, when I'm when i on stage, I move, like, my movements have become measured over time. Like, I will stand in one place, and then when I change topics, like, I'll take a few steps to the left or the right. Yeah. I'll switch the mic from hand to hand. Um, it's, all, it's a little psychological nudge to the audience. It's best to just be comfortable, because that natural movement will occur. Mm-hmm. Because you don't, no one really feels right standing too still. Mm-hmm. I was too still for a very long time. But that was, you know, obviously because I was just very, like, tense. Yeah. But yeah, yeah it, feels, it feels a lot better now. Nah, when I'm ranting, I'll, I'll pace back and forth in the rant because that's how I rant, like, in my head. That's that's real. It's a tinge of autism. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. Where was, you know, the pacing is, is your mind processing something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and, and it's more real that way. Like, if I'm just standing there yelling at them, it's like, are we, are we in trouble? Yeah. Whereas if, you know, it's a little bit looser, but... Pacing is great because it's like, you know, you you see like very intelligent people pace when they're like, or, or it's like, a, it's more of a stereotype where you think of like a scientist or something. They're like sitting there like yeah. looking at the ground, pacing back and forth. How do I, I got it. Like that yeah. kind of like, you know, that's a, that's deep in thought. That's. Do you, uh, John Mulaney does, I mean, his, his pacing is. Oh like, yeah. It's his, great. It's uh, very energetic. Yes. Yeah, his, he's always, I mean, watch his most recent special. He's got that huge stage. Right, and he uses it. He uses it. And it is great. Yeah. 
if you're going to have that huge stage and just stand in the middle, it's like, why did we book Radio City? Right. <laughs> right. That does deliver good energy to mm-hmm. the joke material. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's, I mean, his jokes are delivered with a lot of energy anyway. So Yeah. That Tip way. for comics. That's how you make it in the writer's world, too, is because... It's funny, you'd think because John Mulaney was a writer, like, why does he have all this energy and all this? You have to be able to pitch things as a writer, and that is a great, he probably was always good at that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he's just got an active mind, and it's manifested through his movement, too, and his enthusiasm. Oh, yeah, no, you know when he tells a joke, like, he is is in. He believes every single word that he says. That's why being a comic is so important to being a writer. You can be a great writer, but if you're so timid and you've only been good on Twitter your whole life and then you're in this writer's room, you just wither away. Yeah. Because you just don't have the personality for it. Right. Right. Channel that energy. Energy is everything to comedy. Mm -hmm. It's helped me, man. It's helped me. I mean, waiting tables, you know. Yeah. You're on stage, essentially. So you're ready for the... I mean, it's just crowd work the whole time. Right. So that, I mean, that's helped me get quicker and more personable and knowing your audience. Like, is this a table that's going to want to, like, joke back and have a good time? Or is this, you know, like a business meeting? Yeah. You can't laugh at that. Just to sum it up, really, you have to... Yeah. The the phrase, too soon, is... uh, I always said if I made fun of Kobe the day before he died, that would have been too soon. But that's just generally my joke. Like, it, if it's the day he died, that's right on schedule. But the thing is, uh, that's not uh, – I don't think it applies to this. It's usually a lesser tragedy, something that we can laugh at right away. Yeah. But, you know, it, once it goes up in scale, it starts to be like, all right, that's touchy. Mm-hmm. And, you know. Yeah, you have to know. I mean, you have to realize, like, if you're telling yourself as you're writing a joke or as you're getting ready to perform it, like, this is too soon, work on it, man. I mean, there's a point where if you deliver it the right way, there's no such thing as too soon. Yeah, there's total, There's a, an infinite amount of ways you could have made that light of the Kobe situation, but it wouldn't have been at his expense necessarily. Yeah. It would have been I, something semi. Yeah. I mean, if you're trolling, you got to know you're going to get pushback. Right. You gotta know you're gonna get pushback. Some people want that pushback. They just love the, the excitement and the drama, yeah. Like so said. I mean what what Ari did to me, I mean, it wasn't comedy. But I mean who's to who's to say what comedy is? Like it's no. also subjective. Now a lot of people know who he is. Yeah. And I think hey. he might be gathering up other ed- fans of Edge Lordism. Mm-hmm. But I mean, if you listen to his stand-up, he's he's got some great material. So yeah, he's a good writer. He's funny and all these things. You know, it's good enough to have Carlos Mencia steal jokes from him. I don't <laughs> even know if that's actually true. I do believe it's true because of all that shit that Joe Rogan did mm. about that fence, those fence jokes about the Mexicans and everything. Yeah. And that's probably true, but I don't know. Yeah. Whatever. Well, I don't know. How do you laugh at that? How soon is too soon? Make the joke about somebody else. Make the joke true. Um, you have to trust. You you have to have the trust of the audience. Mm-hmm. You have to have the trust of the audience. Uh, and then, if you build tension, you have to re- make sure the release is greater than the tension. That tension is always a release of happiness and relief. Mm-hmm. It makes people feel good. That's why they're laughing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it has to be more than just a. An, it's a great a, a payoff. Positive exit. Yeah, you yeah. have to. You have to make sure the payoff is good. And it's an agreement too. They laugh in agreement. Mm-hmm. That usually that tension is an is a laughter of agreement. So, all right. Well, that is. Uh, I think that's 
I think we did it. Yeah. I think we did it. Um, good. Comment. Share the podcast. It's on Apple Podcasts. It's on Spotify. It's on Libsyn. Um, comment. We want to have a conversation. Like, what do you think? You right. know, what, how what do you think, Lauren soon? Michaels? Yeah. I know you're listening. <laughs> this is it. Episode 2.5. This is the one that, that does it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Man, I mean, there's an infinite number of topics that we're going to get into. So right. stay tuned. Uh, we've got we've got one about relationships coming up. We've got one about uh, school shootings coming up. We've got one about stereotypes, uh, death, all the topics that are taboo or overused. Mm-hmm. You know, there are an infinite number of ways to laugh at that. And just like this, you know, how soon is too soon? Depends on how you write the joke. Yeah. Depends on how you write the joke. Mm-hmm. And if you write it in the right way, in front of the right audience... You can laugh at that. Yeah. This is a podcast for comedians, for people who are fans of comedy, for people who are thinking about doing comedy. or for people who are retiring from comedy. People who are retiring from comedy. But they don't know it yet. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they will by the end of this episode. Um, and uh, if, I don't know, people who are into... Anime. Anime. People who are into yeah, <laughs> if you like bowling, films. this is a great podcast. Yeah. If you're a bowler, if you're a miniature golf fan, yeah, laser tag, politics, politics. If, if you, you're a mailman, if you're an engineer, if audio, you're the CEO visual, of Crayola. You can listen to this podcast and get something out of it. If you'd like to weigh in on today's topic, follow us on Twitter at You Can't Laugh Pod, or like us on Facebook at You Can't Laugh at That, and tell us how you did laugh at today's topic or how you didn't. This is all about the conversation, is what I'm saying. All right. Bye.